welcome back, welcome back to the How Your Mama Them Doing podcast where we discuss the stress, the strain, the triumph, and the truth of black motherhood. I'm your host, Dejan, and I got one question for you. How the mama them doing? So today, guys, we're here for episode four. I'm really excited about today's topic, but I want to let you know if you want to participate, if you want to ask questions, leave comments, you want to tell me your story, please feel free to hit the inbox on the Facebook page at How Your Mama Them Doing. Also, you can leave inboxes on the How Your Mama Them Doing podcast Instagram page, and you may also email me at doing at gmail.com. All right, y'all, let's get it. All right, so what's up, y'all? This is episode four. And on today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about a mama with daddy issues. And I'm talking about myself. I am a mama who definitely has some daddy issues. Um, And I wanted to have this discussion because uh, me and my friend and Cherie were talking last week and we were having this discussion about the whole woman and one thing that i want to do with this podcast is and y'all probably gonna hear some pages flipping back and forth because i got my notebook in front of me but one thing that i want to make sure that i'm focusing on with how your mom and i'm doing is i want to talk about all of the different areas of life that can impact uh the way that a woman mothers and so your entire environment all of the relationships that you have with people throughout your life all can impact the way that you mother and they can all impact the way that you're doing emotionally physically mentally spiritually all of those things and so I when I was trying to come up with a topic for today's episode I just was looking at all of the different relationships that we have and obviously we've had quick little discussions about romantic relationships We've had um, some discussions about friendships, but then, you know, we got to get to family and then also we can later have discussions about community. So, you know, in the future, I'm definitely wanting to investigate those topics in more depth. But for today, I figure we can start with some roots, right? Trying to get back to my roots. Um, And I told y'all, I I really have been on a self-help journey these past, I would say maybe the past two years since my son was born um, and really trying to dig into my past and figure some things out and unravel some very complicated feelings that I've been having being a mother of two and um, trying to navigate that space as a mother of two, a a, a full-time employee and also a wife and also a family member. Um, I really have been having some issues and honestly too guys I'm, I'm totally 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 using you guys as my sounding board I am totally trying to self-therapize myself you know with this podcast because I tend to be able to think things through a little bit better as I talk about them I'm one of those people um, some people process by kind of being alone and holding things in and not really discussing and I'm one of those people who um you know, the more that I talk, 
uh, the more I start to figure some things out. So basically coming all the way back to that, I wanted to kind of deal with my origin and my family of origin a little bit and talk about my beginnings, mainly my relationship or lack thereof with my father. Um, I know obviously it seems like with how your mom and them doing, it seems like the first person I want to talk about would be my mama, but I'm not ready to do that yet. And I think um, a huge part of the way that I am now can be attributed to uh, my lack of a relationship with my father. And so, you know, if you need to go ahead and grab you a little snack, grab you a drink, grab you some Kleenex if you need them, um, you know, we're going to go ahead and get into this. <laughs> So first things first, um, I tried to really think back to my my earliest memories, just the, the earliest memories I can think of. Maybe I was four or five. Um, I don't remember my father being there. Uh, one thing that I do remember being extremely prominent throughout my childhood was my mother's photo albums. My mother, I don't even know when she had time to do this with as crazy as our life was, as busy as she was with me in work. But she took the time to document our life with photo albums. She would take pictures at every event. You know, every year when I got school pictures, my mother would buy them. So there was literally a timeline of photos. Still, if you go to my mom's house today, you'll see it. Um, a timeline of photos of me from birth, from baby, all the way up to high school graduation, almost every single year she got my school pictures. And one thing I remember is going through these old photo albums. It was like something that I really enjoyed doing. And one of the very first pictures of me is me in the hospital as a baby. Um, and I was a, a preemie. I'm a preemie. I was born three months premature. And there's pictures of me in these incubators with you know, all of these tubes and stuff hooked up to me. And I'm just like my mom said, I could fit in the palm of her hand. I was I was one pound and nine ounces when I was born. And there's so many pictures of her in the hospital with me. But but there is one that I remember uh, a picture of me with my father holding me and I fit in the palm of his hand, too. And, you know, obviously, I don't I don't remember that. Um, but I always remember seeing that picture my mom never took it out of the photo album. It was always there. Um, but at that moment, at five or six or seven or eight years old, when I would be looking through those photo albums, I would know, like, this is my father. That's who my mom says that she is. But I have no memory of him. Um, and I think I was maybe about eight years old when I asked my mother, this is kind of like the first time at least that I remember asking her and it turning into a discussion or some kind of explanation. Um, me and my mom were on this bike ride. I was eight years old. We had ridden down to the Riverwalk in Columbus, Georgia. So if any of y'all live in Columbus, Georgia, you know, the Chattahoochee River is a huge river that runs through Columbus and we have what's called the Riverwalk and uh, you could ride your bike. There was bike trails that went from you know, the, the north side of town to the south side of town and in between. And you could ride your bike from our neighborhood and get on the trail and ride all the way up through the river, up to the river walk downtown. So me and my mom are 
get up to this hill, this huge hill. I had to walk up because I couldn't, I wasn't strong enough yet to ride my bike up the hill. And we get to this bench to like sit down and rest. And I asked her like, you know, where's my dad? Why didn't y'all stay together? You know, what's, what's the story, you know? And, um, it basically, she basically summed it up to say, hey, you know, I got pregnant with you and he wasn't ready for the responsibility they they were friends before um before i was conceived they were apparently like really good friends according to both of them from the stories they tell me now and um but the pregnancy was you know obviously not planned and um my mom said hey i'm gonna go ahead and go through with this and they were both i believe in the military at the time and he just wasn't ready you know for the responsibility he did have another child my my older brother and um my mom said that it, it felt like too much. And so she had say, hey, I, I, I've got to do what I got to do. I got to take care of my child. And so that's what she did. <laughs> um, I think when I heard that, I think I, I'm pretty sure I remember crying and wondering why he didn't want me. Um, wondering you know am i am i that much of an inconvenience and i think at eight i don't even think i had the vocabulary to voice that i think i just thought you know why doesn't he want to be in my life um and so i tried to think about this in my grown-up mind of you know how was i feeling and what were the first things that came to my mind when I heard that like, hey, he wasn't ready for the responsibility, but I was and I did what I had to do to take care of you. Um, it definitely left a bad taste in my mouth concerning my father. Um, and uh, unfortunately, by age eight, um, I, I will say the first feeling that I felt was unprotected. And when I say unprotected, I mean um, I, I always had this idea in my mind that having a father would have protected me from a lot of, you know, people out in this world that didn't mean me any harm. Um, so, and, and, and the reason why I could have this kind of epiphany, you know, is because I, I remember one of my first memories, uh, my early members, memories is um, being five years old and experiencing being molested and um uh this was like a very difficult thing obviously for a kindergartner to experience you don't know what's happening you don't know why it's happening um and it was someone that i knew it was a, a family friend it was um, an acquaintance um, of my mother's and i remember you know, further down in my life feeling like, you know, if my father was here, he could have protected me from that. And he didn't do his job. You know, I, I definitely remember feeling that um, and feeling angry about it. You know, if, if, if he had been here, this wouldn't have happened to me. So I, I definitely felt unprotected. Um, and the next thing I felt obviously was abandoned, right? Um, I knew that with my mother she was in the army she was traveling a lot she would have to go like on duty tours and things and that's when my first experience with 
molestation occurred was my mother was on a, a duty tour i believe she was in korea uh, or either either korea or germany and uh, she was gone and so i was staying with a family friend and this happened and i i don't think i blamed my mom i think i i i understood that like mom has to work she's doing the best that she can do and um she's only one person like I feel like somebody else has to be held responsible for this as well and I felt like that person was my father um and I, again I I couldn't tell you where these ideas came from I think it was just a, the process of me growing up and when you experience trauma early in life it it imprints on you in a way where it, it literally has shaped the the fiber it's it's ingrained into your fibers right like i i don't know that i would be who i am today without that experience i don't know that the same kind of synapses in my brain would have fired and connected if i hadn't experienced that but i also know that i probably could be so much in in such a much greater place if i if i obviously if i hadn't experienced that abuse um but i felt abandoned by my father and i felt like he should have been there to protect me from these predators, you know. Um, I definitely felt unwanted. Um, I just, as far as I can remember, the next time after maybe that baby picture that I can remember of having an interaction with my father was very, very, maybe a couple of days away from my 18th birthday. And it was my high school graduation. He came uh, to my high school graduation with my brother. So me and my brother had, uh, you know, established contact with one another when I was about 15 years old. He was actually, uh, lived in close proximity with my father and, uh, he saw my father pretty regularly. Um, and that wasn't something that I had access to. Um, and so, you know, me and my brother established contact. So by the time I'm 18, He's done all these different events with me. He's come down to see me. He took me to prom my junior year. Um, and he was like, you know, what if dad comes to graduation? And I'm like, what? You know, in my mind, because I've never met this man as far as I know, as far as I can remember. I don't have any memory of him. Why would I want him to come to my high school graduation? And my brother, you know, he's seven years older than me. So he was he was my big brother. And I looked up to him and I was like all right if you think it'd be a good idea i guess you know i guess he can come and because my brother was like i'm coming period so you know i'll bring dad with me and you can meet him and so i'm like okay sure so um my dad and my brother had i guess they were staying at this motel six and this was maybe a day or two before my high school graduation and my brother took me over there and uh my dad was like in the floor doing push-ups you know it was like his thing I think it still is to this day honestly um but he was in the floor doing push-ups when I walked in and he kind of walked over to me and smiled at me and it was the most surreal kind of out of body experience I've ever had because um I look very much like my dad <laughs> um you know my mom says I look like her and I and I do in different ways but like I have my dad's eyes and I have like a lot more of his facial features to me and his skin tone is and my skin tone is darker like his and and so there's like you know I feel like I look just like him 
And so to see his face was, I was, I feel like I was looking at my face, but he was a complete stranger. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to feel. Like, I think I was happy that he made it. Like, I was happy that he made the trip. Um, I was grateful that he came down to see me, you know, in this moment. But I definitely felt I disconnected, I guess is the best way I can say it. Because he was hugging me and he was smiling and baby girl and this and that. And I'm just like, I don't know you. I, I wish that I had some kind of familiarity with you. But I just don't. And I don't know what to do with that feeling. You know, so it was very confusing. Um, so I definitely say I, I felt unwanted because for 18 years, he was not there. And then he showed up at my graduation and I was like, oh, I hope, you know, you know, I ho in my mind, I'm like, I hope you're not trying to take credit for, for this because my mom literally did everything for me. Like in my mind, of course, I didn't say this to him, to his face, but I was like, I, I hope you're not trying to take credit for this moment because literally this was my mom and my hard work. Me and my mom did this together and you have no um, stake. Like you, you, you didn't put in on this, you feel me? So like that, that kind of, that feeling was kind of rattling through my brain and, and like, why do you want to be here now? And why are you trying to share this moment with us when you, you, you didn't do anything to earn this moment? You know what I'm saying? Like you didn't earn the um the the privilege really of being here and obviously at 18 child I didn't have the words to say that to him I didn't even know it, how to unravel my own feelings it's actually taking me a lot of years after taking it's taken me a lot of years after this event to really unravel it to see how I was truly feeling um but I think the next feeling that I definitely felt was unworthy and I uh, will kind of talk about how this has now impacted me up to this point so my father came to my high school graduation we had like a graduation dinner after that and I did not see my father again for um hmm what year is it <laughs> um I graduated in from high school in 2004 and he came to my graduation for my master's degree, which was in 2017. So 13 years passed in between my very first meeting with my father and my second and most recent meeting with my father, which was when I graduated with my master's degree. So you gotta think about 13 years. You gotta think about everything that happened in 13 years. So I graduated from high school in 2004. Um, in 2008 I graduated with my bachelor's degree and actually the same exact day was the day that I married my husband um, I got married and graduated from college on the same day uh, he didn't come to my wedding he didn't come to my graduation with my bachelor's degree uh, my brother did come to both of those events but my father chose not to come with him um, he didn't come to the birth of either one of my children um, but he did come to my graduation with my master's degree uh, three years ago. And then I haven't seen him since. Um, he had said that he was gonna come to the birth of my son. Uh, he did not end up making that trip, unfortunately. And so I haven't seen him in three years. 
but 13 years passed between that first visit and the second visit. And so, so much of my life changed from 18 year old me who was about to go on this journey of going to college and, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life and figuring out what kind of impact I wanted to have in this world. And in the span of 13 years, I, you know, I graduated, I got married, I had my own children, I built a whole life. And to have him come back 13 years later, like, hey, like, he didn't really skip a beat, you know, he didn't really um, behave like that much time had passed. He was very happy to see me. He was very happy to see my daughter. I was actually pregnant with my son at that time. I was in maybe just getting through my first trimester. I think I was 11 or 12 weeks pregnant with my son when I graduated with my master's. And so, you know, he came and he was so happy, but like my husband didn't know him. This was my husband's first time meeting him. My daughter had never interacted with him. Um, and, And it felt a little bit I don't even have the words, you know, it just felt a little disingenuous to me, but I think I tried to put that feeling to the side and let the moment happen. I was nervous about how he and my mother would interact because they hadn't seen each other, I'm assuming since I was a baby, right? And so for them, it hasn't just been, well, I mean, obviously I'm lying. I'm lying about that. For them, it's been the same, what, 13 years that it had been for me. So for my mom, I'm assuming that her first time seeing my father from after my after my birth was was at eight when I was 18. Right. So that 18 year gap. And then again, another 13 years once he came to my graduation with my master's degree, because my mother was there as well. Obviously, I, I don't know what the cognitive dissonance was for my mother in that moment and I think I was just very much nervous in about the first, the two weeks leading up to him coming to my graduation I knew my mother was going to be there I knew that my father also would be there and I did not know how she was going to react to his presence um so that kind of had my nerves firing off a little bit um luckily you know when they arrived it was smooth sailing and my mom said it almost felt like they were best friends again and you know apparently before I was born they were best friends and they did everything together and they laughed and they joked and they spent so much quality time together and they were just best friends um and she said it kind of felt like that which I was kind of grateful for you know I was happy that she didn't feel stressed I was happy that that she didn't feel the anxiety of him there but I, I definitely you know felt it a bit um it was just weird like he was trying to take pictures with my daughter and my daughter was three at the time and she was just like bro (laughs) who are you like who is this person and I'm trying to explain to her that this is her grandfather um but but he's not the grandfather that she knows right like he knows my my husband's side of the family and and her papa and her papa's on that side and and she doesn't know my my dad and so she was like you not my papa like she she was not having it she wasn't with it and it was funny and but my husband was you know trying to tell him and explain to him like she's she's a little you know Gracie's a little um you know out of sorts with you because she doesn't know you and you can't expect her to just kind of pick up with you like she's familiar she's not familiar with you and so I know that made him feel some kind of way but I I was kind of glad that my husband was able to step in in that moment and kind of 
you know, just explain the situation a little bit better to him. Um, but as far as my feelings were concerned with this whole situation, you got to think the 13 year span of me graduating from high school to now to graduating with my master's, 13 years is a lot of time. And 18 years prior to that was a lot of time. And my whole personality has been built from little bitty Dejan, little kindergarten Dejan, uh, you know, who experienced, experienced her first, had her first experience of abuse. It, you know, it was the first, but it was not, unfortunately it was not the last. Um, and so throughout my life, you know, I carried these feelings of nobody's going to protect me. Nobody really cares enough to try to offer that protection. And again, I, I do truly believe that my mother did the very best that she could, but she's only one person and she could not be in all the places at all the times and it just wasn't possible. Um, and so with those feelings of being unprotected and those feelings of being unwanted and those feelings of abandonment and those feelings of being unworthy, um... It, it I, I definitely built up a huge armor. I'm talking about gates a hundred feet tall, you know, around my heart. And um I I don't know that I think I think I shut myself down quite a bit, honestly. Uh to the point where like I didn't know really how to receive love. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, at least from men anyway, and let me be clear about that. Um, I definitely grew to have a disdain or in really honestly a fear of men due to uh, the lack of a father and also the, you know, being taken advantage of by different men in my life throughout my, you know, childhood years and also my teenage years. Um... So I was definitely afraid of men and I was definitely um, disgusted, <laughs> to put that lightly, I don't even know another way to say that. Because of my different interactions with men, I didn't have any trust whatsoever for men. So I'd had a boyfriend here and there, but it never lasted for maybe longer than two weeks or maybe a month. I just didn't trust anybody. So as soon as the, the first red flag appeared, I would ditch the relationship. Like, nope. I did this all through college. Like I did it through high school. Maybe I would have a boyfriend for two weeks. Nope. Can't do it. Like I just didn't want to even let myself get comfortable. And it wasn't until I met my husband. I always tell my husband that I'm like, you're literally my first long-term relationship because the longest I had been in a relationship before him was maybe a month. Um, and what it was, was that I had turned my feelings off. I had learned how to kind of turn off my emotions, right? Even unfortunately with the um, experience of abuse and molestation and rape, um, I had even learned how to kind of disconnect my feelings from sex. Like I had learned to turn off the emotion um, and like I could turn my body on, I could do the physical act, I could do all of the things um, physically, but my mind or my, I wouldn't say my mind, but my emotion wouldn't, would be completely disconnected. I would shut it down and not allow myself to feel any kind of feelings of like true intimacy. Does that make sense? And I definitely did that throughout college. Like I, I was able to just turn it off, shut it down, don't worry about it. 
And it wasn't until I met my husband where I was able to like, and, and it was really, it was once we got married and being intimate there in, in our relationship that I was able to start to feel feelings again, if that makes sense. Um, and I know that seems really weird, but I, but I had definitely, I, I think I shut my emotions down because I felt like, hey, if I get too heavily invested in this person and this turns out to be trash, like, how do I come back from that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even going to put myself in a situation where I can be that vulnerable again for someone to violate me or for someone to take advantage of me. Um, another way that this manifested was... Um, with unworthiness I started on this journey even with boyfriends and even with my husband of because I felt worthless because I felt like I didn't have any value for real um and honestly I did this all through childhood because I felt unwanted I would do things I would um produce things um, to show and prove my value, prove my worth, right? And so that means, hey, I'm going to get the best grades. I'm going to be the smartest kid in the class. I'm going to be, you know, sixth grade valedictorian. I'm going to, you know, go to a college prep high school. I'm going to get a full scholarship to college. I'm going to graduate in four years, keep my scholarship. I'm going to get into my dream graduate school program. You know, I'm going to do all of these things and I feel like I was definitely doing a lot of that hard work to prove my worth, right? To prove something to myself and then also to like prove something to even my mother. I wanted, you know, my and I know my mother loves me for real, like, but I, but I, in my mind, I had this goal of like, I want her to always love me and I and I want to show her my value and I think part of me because of my father not being there I wanted to prove to my mother that I wasn't a burden and so that means hey I'm going to be productive I'm going to clean I'm going to cut grass I'm going to wash cars I'm going to do all of the schoolwork, and I'm going to make you proud and I'm going to show you that it, I'm not a mistake um that having me wasn't a mistake. And, um, unfortunately, well, I don't know. This pattern continued, um, throughout my adulthood, right? So it started in childhood. Um, and then once I met my husband, again, those feelings of unworthiness, they're there. They're always in the back of your mind. And, um, it made me want to prove to my husband again. I, I don't want to be abandoned again. I don't want to be discarded. I don't want to be thrown away. And so let me show you how much I'm worth. I can, I'm smart. You know, I can pay half of these bills and, and, and be a strong partner and, um, I can cook and I can clean and I'll do everything for the kids. And, I'll show you that I'm that I'm valuable so that you won't want to get rid of me. And 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 if you were to get rid of me, you're going to feel that emptiness because look at how much I bring into your life. Look at how much value I add to your life. Right. Like this is the narrative. Um, unfortunately, that had been going on in the background of my mind for so long. 
Um, it was just, just a part of me. It was just a part of me. It still is. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still working through it. I don't, I have, I'm, I'm getting there where I'm like starting to be able to, to sever some of those, like, I guess, destructive traits, right? In the sense of like, I'm running myself into the ground, trying to be everything for everyone. I want to help everybody, you know, uh, I want to do it all and I and I want to get the credit for it and I want to prove my worth and I and and you and you and you you're gonna love me right it's 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 that right it's it's Effie White it's you know and unfortunately like I said that's still something that I haven't I don't even know if it's something that needs to be fixed but it's not something that I've fixed Right. Um, and so this thing, the unworthy feeling, the, the trying to prove my value, um, not only trying to prove it to other people, but definitely trying to keep reiterating it to myself has led me on a path where I kind of had a bit of a breakdown uh, once my son was born because I realized I couldn't do it anymore. I realized that like I literally don't have any more strength in me to continue doing all of this on my own. I can't hold up the household. I can't hold up the job. I can't hold up, you know, all of these responsibilities on my own anymore. I'm just one person and I and I am a human and I'm feeling very very spread thin and very used up and I can't do it anymore you know I had to really come to grips with that of just I had to surrender to it honestly because I didn't have a choice you know it was um I was at my most vulnerable place when my son was born I my son came a week early uh, I went through 28 hours of labor with him most of that unmedicated and then they gave me a little bit of epidural, but then it ran out. So I still gave a natural, completely natural birth. Five days after my son was born, he had to go to NICU for dehydration. My breast milk didn't come in uh, on time. He was in the NICU for five days. I, I didn't sleep for two weeks. You know, I was just at my most frazzled, just, just stripped down exhausted utterly exhausted I think I cried every day for like three weeks um and it was because I had been doing this thing I had been on this hamster wheel my whole life of just I'm trying to prove my worth I'm trying to prove my value look what I can do and my knees buckled literally in those moments of having this baby he's sick he needs to go to neonatal intensive care unit he might not live I remember the doctors telling me that there was a, a very high percentage that he wasn't going to make it it was this whole thing and I was just like I I can't carry this load anymore like I just surrendered to it but it made me extremely vulnerable to I don't feel I don't think I've been this vulnerable before and that's why I say the past two years have been me just 
fully really opening myself up and stripping myself down to the bone to really piece together what is my life what has it become and why and unfortunately that first route that I was able to trace back was my relationship or lack thereof with my father and that lack of relationship kind of started me on this journey my whole life of trying to prove my value and prove my worth and earn people's love even right and so I've even come to this realization of I don't have to earn anyone's love. I don't have to work so hard to prove that I'm lovable, right? I just deserve love because I exist. And it is something that I still have to kind of tell myself daily. I do still definitely struggle with this daily of just imposter syndrome. And, and you know, I have to keep working and I have to keep going because it's easy for me to keep going. I feel like I've been running my whole life towards this goal. And now I I feel like I'm still running. Like I feel like I don't have time to slow down. And um but I'm I'm starting to slow down because I realize I don't need to spread myself so thin. I don't need to be all the things for all the people in order for them, in order for someone to love me and in order for me to love myself also. And and please don't mistake this. Like by no means am I implying again that I have this all figured out and together because I am very much still currently sifting my way through these feelings. Um, And I don't know how I'm going to get to that place from where I am now. I think my goal right now has just been to identify my feelings, unravel some of the roots of some of those things, get down to what the foundation is, and then I can kind of see the trajectory my life has taken. Um, I hope that me sharing with you guys sharing my story with my daddy issues with you guys this evening I I hope that you were able to get something from it I hope that maybe there was a word of encouragement thrown in there somewhere for you I I hope that if you're dealing with your own daddy issues your own origin story I hope that this will kind of give you a little bit of some tools to at least start to trace back, you know, look in those old photo albums and, you know, look back and see like, what are some of these pieces? What are some of these things that make me who I am and and why? And I know some people might feel like this is kind of an unproductive exercise. Like why, why would you go back and explore and expose, you know, all of this trauma, um, but I think that it's helping me to heal it right now. It definitely still feels like an open wound very much. It very much feels like, um, I'm bearing my soul, you know, but also I feel like I just kept putting band-aids on it my whole life, but I kept picking the scab off every time. 
something would happen and I never allowed myself to truly, truly, fully heal. And I think that's what I'm in the process of doing now. And the reason why and what what made me decide that I need to do this, honestly, is my children, right? Like they see me every day. They They know me. There's not much you can hide from children in the sense that they see your mood swings. They see you uh, yelling. They might see you and your spouse arguing. And they're behind the closed doors with you every day. And I know that there's only so much I can conceal, right? Like, of course, there's bigger things about my past that I don't have to share with them. But I know that being with your parents on a day-to-day basis for all of your formative years definitely impacts the way that you move forward into adulthood and for my babies I would love for them to have a completely elevated outlook on what their life can be you know I want to be able to be whole for them and this is definitely part of my process so anyway guys I hope that you got something from this evening's episode. I know I'm kind of leaving it a little bit open-ended um, and I'm okay with that, but this has been cathartic for me and I hope that maybe you can get your notebook out and maybe you can write some things down and maybe you can start to kind of deal with some of your stuff. And honestly, as like a final word, and this is not to get too churchy on you, but, you know, for those of us, you know, who grew up in the church, which is a vast majority of us, one thing that my mom always instilled in me was like, when I would ask questions about my father, right, she would focus on like, God is your father, you know, and I think as a child, I did not know what to do with that, right, like, Hun, what are you talking about? You know, I'm talking about my physical father, you know, and my mom used to just be like, look, hun, God is the only father you'll ever need. And back then my mom was super into church and we were in the church, you know, six days out of the week and twice on Sundays. And uh, it was church was a huge part of my life. And um, but she and she's not so much churchy anymore. Right. But. As I was growing up, she definitely instilled in me that God was my father. And um, one of the things I always come back to is how much more that has resonated with me as I've become an adult. Because, you know, being adopted, you know, by God is one of those things that has always felt like a warm, safe place to me, right? Um, having someone take you in that you know is maybe not your biological father but that type of spiritual adoption and and I always have definitely felt a place of comfort in prayer and a place of comfort in being able to talk to God when you know no one else is listening in that and that has helped me um and I do believe that a huge driving force of me going through this process um is prayer and and faith and and asking God to heal, asking God for healing. I truly don't believe that I have everything in myself to heal myself. I know I don't have all the tools and those are definitely the times where I ask God to intervene and like, show me what do I need to do to be better? You know, he's the only one that can do that for me, you know? And so 
if you believe in prayer, if you believe in God, you know, I definitely encourage, you know, leaning back on that and trying not to, you know, like they say, don't lean on your own understanding because there are some things that I don't know if I will ever be to unra- be able, excuse me, to unravel. But I know that there are things that God has like fixed in me um, that I that I could not fix for myself. And so, you know. I just want to leave you guys with that. Hopefully that's a little bit of a word of encouragement. And, uh, you know, this may kind of be a continuation next week. It's not going to focus so much on my father, but I think um, I want to continue some more talking about, you know, how our relationships impact us and the way we raise our children. So, you know, I definitely hope that you guys have enjoyed this evening's episode. Please leave comments. Uh, on the Facebook page, please leave comments on the Instagram page at how your mom and them doing podcast on the Facebook page at how your mom and them doing. Or if you have something you want to share with me, please don't hesitate to email at how your mom and them doing at gmail.com. And for those of you that follow me on my regular Instagram, uh, my most of the posts that I'm doing are on my regular Instagram at Supreme Dejan. And you can definitely inbox me there as well. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll, I'll check y'all out next week. Peace.